Center on 1290 CJBK. Joining me today, Marion Boyd and Bob Metz. And nice to have both of you here again. Nice Hi, to see you, Jim. Um, you know, folks, on the program, we some days it really is left, right, and center, depending on what's going on. Other days, we, we just kind of kick things around. I don't know what's going to happen today, and these are the kinds of days I think I like the best. But there is an issue out there that I think is important. I'm very interested in finding out what my two guests have to say about it, and as always, what you have to say about it. 643-1290 is our telephone number, star 1290 on the Cantel Cellular Network, and our live in-studio email is available for you as well. It's jchapman at imessaging.net. Chapman at imessaging.net. Now, that's different from our regular email, and this is only for use while we're on the air. If you've got something you want to, when you want to say when we're on the air, uh, jchapman at imessaging.net, and that'll come right through to us. But the issue I want to address today is one that Dr. Laura has been talking about for some months now and has been... <laughs> She's been pretty angry about it. The American Library Association has taken a stance on the censorship of the Internet at terminals in libraries. And I understand from listening to Dr. Laura and the research I've done that their stand is based on uh, opposition to censorship in general. Dr. Laura's point is, well, okay, I'm opposed to censorship in general too, but we do censor certain things within our lives, particularly where children are involved. And um, I understand that the Library Association has said, well, we can't, we don't know how to make that exception. Uh, that issue has been prominent on her show for some months now. It has now come to London, where the London's Library Board is, is starting to wrestle with this, and, and lines are being drawn. People are taking up positions on either side, um, similar positions, saying, well, okay, uh, you know, censorship, fine, we were opposed to censorship, but gee, this is little kids that we want to keep them from dangerous things. Other people are saying, no. Some people are saying censorship, period, is wrong. We can't have any censorship. Others yet are saying, well, okay, we can censor some things, but the problem here is that the, in, the, the uh, software providers are determining what's going to be censored and, and not the community. And we don't know, you know. Yeah. It's a complicated issue, and there are no clear-cut sides on it yet. I mean, there's no, as far as I can see, there's no right and wrong. It's all kind of... We're just not sure what to go. Everybody seems to want the same thing ultimately, which is free expression in a free society, but wherein our children are not exposed to materials that they're not ready for. Having said all of that, I turn to Marion Boyd and say, do you have, I don't say a position, but what are your thoughts about this? How do we balance that? Now, let me back, I'm going to back up a little farther. I'm going to back up for both of my guests before we get into that. I'm going to ask each one of them. Marion, is there a place for censorship in our society, and how far should it go? Let's, let's start there, and then we'll come back to this particular library issue. Well, uh, I think that we, we need to be really um, very clear about what we're talking about if we're talking about ch child pornography. We're not just talking about censoring the visions. We're talking about if we don't... If, if we allow the free range of possession and showing of child pornography, mm -hmm. we are tacitly condoning the exploitation that uh, leads to that has the availability to to of the product. That. Yeah. So I understand the concern that's there around the kinds of sites that are there, and, they, and, and, and a lot of it is child pornography. We're not talking about adults consenting to behaviors or even being paid for behaviors in, in most cases. Um, and and I, I, I have a concern about that. I mean, having worked in the field of violence against women and children for a long time, we know that pornography uh, plays a role for many abusers in terms of, of arousing them, and, and they become uh, very used to the conjoining of, of violence and, and sexuality, which I think is very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. However, 
This whole situation around censoring in a library worries me a lot. It, the next step, of course, is censoring other materials in a library. A library is there for the public to have access to information. The software is not adequate at this point in time. Uh, even leaving aside the question of who decides what's pornographic, mm -hmm. they, be, be, because the, the, the software is the kind of software it is, even the word pornography may lead to a shutdown mm -hmm. of a certain site. Mm -hmm. So that means we can't even have an intelligent discussion about where we, where we want to protect individual rights but also protect our, our group rights, our children's group rights, and so on. So I have, I have real concerns about it, and I, I hate to see the police on the one side and a library board on the other side lining up on opposite sides. I would have a few questions. I like parents to monitor what their children are watching on television mm -hmm. and to talk to them about why they might say they don't think something's appropriate. I think when we have children and they're using the internet, we have a responsibility to have some idea about what they're doing, to talk to them about the ethics of that, to ask them to come to us if they're disturbed by something they come across and so we can talk about it and so on. And I'm not sure why that same approach couldn't happen in a library. The educational approach about, you know, this, this this sort of, of, of thing, um, does this make you uncomfortable? Come and talk to us. The, the kind of supervision that happens in the library overall around inappropriate behaviors, because we know they can be dangerous places, actually. But isn't the concern, Mary, I'm going to get to Bob in a second mm -hmm. here, but isn't the concern, though, that many children, rightly or wrongly, are interested in this stuff. I mean, they're not going to necessarily go to the library and say, gee, I found this and I'm not sure what it means or I'm not sure how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. uh, my understanding is the concern of a lot of parents is that, that you know, the kids are curious and, and, and they may be, they're curious about sex and sexuality yeah. and, and they may in fact go and explore these sites and come away with a distorted view of sex and sexuality. And may, as it said in the free press, uh, do that quite innocently by trying to do research on something like breast cancer, for yes, example. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was a really good example and certainly the, the software that's available now would screen for that if, if you had it in place. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a real conundrum. I'm not sure that simply putting software that we all admit is inadequate uh, and thinking that that's doing a job to try and keep this sort of material out of our children's hands is the answer. Bob, let me ask you the same question, uh, the kind of the general question, uh, any place for censorship in our society, and, and then more specifically as it relates to this issue. Well, if you're talking about relating to children, censorship is not an issue. Um, censorship is an ad one adult telling another adult what they can see, do, read, or whatever, and using some agency of government or government itself to implement that will. Um, when we're talking about children on either end of the scale, whether, as Marion said, uh, ch child pornography, wherein the children are involved in it, this, is, this has got nothing to do with obscenity and things like that. It's got to do with a lack of consent in these relationships. Because in order to intelligently consent to something, a person has to have a certain amount of experience, knowledge, background, uh, you know, it has to be an informed consent. And we as a society have decided that people under 18, under some, some circumstances, uh, 16 under others, uh, are not capable of legal consent. And that's why, you know, children can't sign certain contracts, can't drive cars under 16, and there's all kinds of restrictions on them. We do not say that we are denying them their freedom. We're preparing them for it. So, on the other side, where children are getting on to the internet and viewing material. I think the only 
control you have there is, is some sort of supervision. Now, in the libraries, I don't know, the last time I was in a library, they had a separate section for the children, for the very young children. You know, if you wanted Dr. Seuss books and things like that, you don't go up to where the history mm-hmm. uh, books are and things like that. So I don't see why there couldn't be an age-appropriate area set up in the library, one for children and one for adults. Um, but the issue of censorship is interesting here because I was looking at the Free Press August 7th, the, the, the headline there. The very first sentence reads, London's Police Services Board wants the library to filter Internet access, a suggestion library regulators say amounts to censorship. Now, if it was the Police Services Board that imposed this upon the library, that would be censorship, no doubt about it. And that's something that certainly none of us should support. However, a library on its own accord can choose to filter and decide what they want to offer in there, you know, anytime I, they want. But they shouldn't be told to do so by a, by a police board. But that's, if, but, that's but if the library is a public body, though, and they decide you're not going to see, I, I mean, they're censoring. What does it matter well, whether they're told to or whether they decide themselves? Well, you, you bring are, up a good issue because the issue is ownership. Who really owns a library? Because whoever owns it gets to say. You know, there's Internet cafes out there right now where you can go into like a cafe coffee house and they have internet access and a lot of them do their own screening not censorship Mm -hmm. screening they don't want uh, uh, people to access sites that may amount to pornography hate literature drugs uh, you know all kinds of things that are discussed on the internet they can filter all that out there are also a number of um, websites that are actually offering the service to people to uh, not just to get rid of obscenities and things like that, to get rid of a lot of stuff that's irrelevant for people researching. Because, you, you know, you find a reference to something and you get a million references to it. You only want the one or something significant. And so these sites are already starting to respond to that need in the marketplace. And I think that's a great way for a library, if they wanted to just, say, subscribe to X number of sites, and then from there those sites do your, your filtering for you. There, there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, but censorship is not an answer and and, you know we don't want to go down that path we're going to pause for just a moment uh, for some totally uncensored commercial messages we'll be back tony's waiting to join us on the program in fact we're going to go to tony right now i'm going to get my guests to put their headphones on because tony's on a cell phone we'll try to get quickly hi there tony thanks jim um correct me if i'm wrong but uh, these search engines are uh, like uh, phone books where the people with web pages pay to put the uh them on right no you don't have to pay you're just there. They search anything that's uh, that's Any, out there. Anything that's there, yeah. But uh, could there not be a search engine set up where uh, where a lot of this uh, garbage is removed? Yes. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Instead of having to filter, have a search engine that doesn't allow stuff that might be uh, harmful. They're yeah, already out there. Yeah, there are out there. But the the question with the libraries, as I understand it, is that they don't want to restrict people's access to the various search engines because not every engine will go everywhere on the net. Well, it might not be 100%, but you have to weigh the uh, pluses and minuses. And if things are going to hurt people then uh, and the other one's not, well, then maybe we should go with even if it's not as good. And maybe it will be better once it uh, gets used a little bit. Mm-hmm. Good thoughts today, Tony. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Be- we'll be back in just a second. I'm going to share a personal experience I had doing some research here. We'll tell you all about it. Marion Boyd and Bob Metz with me on left, right, and center. I'm Jim Chapman on 1290 CJBK, and we're talking about censorship. I want to just share a couple of quick experiences. Um, some months ago, we did a, a, a project here at the station, and those of you who are regular listeners will remember where our program director and I. 
Uh, this is more than a few months ago. This may be a year and a half ago. We went out on the Internet. Neither one of us knew much at that time about it, and we went out to try to see what was there. What, what would you stumble across if you were just out there kind of surfing? And we'd put in a, you know, a word like, like air rifles and see where that went, and then you'd put in baby buggies and so on and so on, whatever it was, on these various search engines. And we found a surprising amount of, of pornography would pop up on the screen. And we did a little story about it, you will recall, and we had, uh, we had Rod Matthews from Project P on, and he talked about it. And um, it, during the course of that, at one point, we were on one of these supposedly safe um, um, uh -huh. uh, search engines where they don't have any of this mm -hmm. stuff. And we came up with the only instance where we found actual child pornography yeah. was on one of these basically uh, supposed to be squeaky clean things. Now, what we did, uh, and, and we talked about it on the air the next day because we got Rod on the air, but we phoned Project P immediately, gave them the address and so on, and they said, well, it was an American thing. We don't know exactly what we can do, but we'll put it in, you know, we'll get it in the process and so on and so on. Um, the next day we went back and it was gone. So we don't know whether the OPP did it or whether the, the web, the, the service provider found it. But that was disturbing to me because here was a, a uh, supposedly safe area. We talk about let, let's just put, you know, just, just access to the safe ones. Even on this supposedly safe one, somebody had managed to get on there um, with this product, and, and it was, like I said, it was blatant child pornography. It wasn't any of the other, you know, argue whether it's pornography, yep. erotic, or whatever it is. It wasn't that at all. It was child kitty porn. That was the only place we... we now, I, I don't really have a point to make here, except that even the safe ones may Absolutely. not be safe. And, well, and the whole purpose of people who are purveying this material and who are hoping to make contacts through this material, which is to find a, a title that looks innocuous, mm -hmm. to find the first few frames that are innocuous, yep. which is what people usually run through, and I'm not interested in this, but there are code words mm -hmm. for those who are who addicted them. to this material, yep. and, and they look for those code words in this supposedly innocuous stuff. So if we, if we then, if we're back to square one again, we've got, we've got, uh, uh, programs, firewall programs, I think they call them, that will prevent access to a wide variety of things, and lots of people at home use them for their kids. And we know we've got them accessible at the library, but it, by the same token, they're not perfect. You can, in some cases, if the kid's sharp, the kid can get around them, or it may stumble innocently into something like we discovered on this particular, I'm not going to say the area because I don't want people rushing there to find out, but it was a very large, very well-known, I think they're called domains, I may have the mm -hmm. technology mm -hmm. wrong, but mm -hmm. anyway, there we are. Yep. Um, the stuff works at home, but you can get around it, you might stumble on it. Do we at any point say, in the context of, okay, here's the library, it's, it's ready access to, to information, do we at any point say, well, we may have to take a small chance that occasionally somebody is going to stumble over this, or do we say, no, we just, we've got to do whatever it takes to prevent it from happening? I think the last caller, Tony, brought up an issue that, that may address that. And he's talking about, you know, stopping getting stuff off the Internet that, of, of things that, quote, may hurt people. Now, that's, that's a loaded issue because, personally, I don't think a lot of, most of the pornography out there is all that harmful. Uh, the, the stuff you always hear people talking about is that tiny sliver of child pornography and and, and yeah and that, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that yeah. is just not representative of 99.999% of it mm -hmm. um, but ideas are dangerous too and there's all kinds of things on the internet there are fascists out there there mm -hmm. are communists right. out there there are socialists there are capitalists there are are you know you, you name it they're all out there um, 
quite frankly, we can Kurt demonstrate Sundle through history. And his, his site. Mm -hmm. that some of those ideas are far more dangerous than any of the pornography we're talking mm -hmm. about. And yet, to suggest that we should censor them would mean, like, for example, at the library, we should get rid of Hitler's Mein Kampf. That shouldn't be sitting on the shelf. We should be getting rid of Karl, Karl Marx's works. We should be getting rid of, uh, on the other side, if you don't like it, Ayn Rand's works. You know, I mean, you can't get into this. Marion was quite correct when she said that once you open that door to censorship, everything else is just going to start falling in place. Mm -hmm. um, ironically, whatever we might say here, I think, is almost a moot point because the Internet is such an incredible um, resource and instrument out there that censorship is just a non-issue. Um, if you, if you want to find it, you're going to find it, and it's out there on the internet. Okay, let's it, back it, up. It's, let's, there's just nothing you can do. Let's because back up a little so bit. Many zillion connections. Okay, let's back up though. Let's you say if you want to find it, you'll find it. Let's say you don't want to find it. And I think this is the issue yes. for the libraries. Uh, is it is it fair to put restrictions up to ensure that you're not going to stumble across something? Well, with, who's restrictions? You mean restricting yourself? Well, the, like no, you, this, like no, 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 because this is this is a great question. This is the crux of the question. Who's restriction? The the, the 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 police services board would like to see, and and their representative of law enforcement, I think, right across North America, who want to protect us as much as we can, as they can from things that they believe to be harmful to us. We're talking about children here and children and pornography. Um, they quite rightly, I think, are concerned about this, and now they're going to the library board and saying, we think you should do something, X, Y, Z, whatever the something is about this. The library board is saying, well, how do we do that? How do we reconcile the need to have Mein Kampf and Atlas Shrugged on our bookshelves and, or through our, through our computers and, and, and yet minimize the opportunities that children are going to have to access this material? Again, I think the only foolproof answer is supervision, adult supervision, mm -hmm. or complete restriction. You can say no one under 18 is allowed on these terminals. Well, we can't. I Any don't... kids under 18 go downstairs to the children's section where it can be very regulated and very specifically controlled. There's no possibility of anything else getting on the system. 643-1290 is our telephone number, star 1290 on the Cantel, and we go back to the phones. We remind you, too, that our Internet is, speaking of the Internet, we are live uh, email comes right into the studio now at this address, jchapman at imessaging.net. So if you want to reach us, you can do that uh, through the Internet. comes right into the studio in this slick little machine. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. About the size of a pack of cards, courtesy of our good friends at Cantel AT&T. We thank them again for making that technology available. Jerry joins us. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Uh, on your topic of censorship, Jim, uh, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't get the name of your, your guest. He's very knowledgeable and speaks very well. I'm sorry, I don't, didn't catch your name. It's Bob Metz and Marion Boyder with us today. Oh, hi, Bob. Hi, hi there. Um, I am against the ship on one basic formula. Uh, a fellow by the name of Reverend Maxwell Roberts, who was my grade 9 English teacher and then later uh, principal of Saunders, uh, said, if you want someone to go through a door, put no admittance on it. There's <laughs> 10 doors in one room, and you put no admittance. You outlaw abortions. It goes to the street. Prices go up. The sanity goes, or the uh, cleanliness goes down. Yeah, Jerry, but but but, but does that apply to little kids? I mean, no, you 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 do put no access to children on some of those doors. Right, but the parents should show these kids these things. Like I have, 
nothing against my kids watching any John Wayne movie because there's never anything bad in it. Mm -hmm. But I won't let them listen to anything but Eddie Murphy, and they know why. Mm -hmm. uh, I have nothing against them. I subscribe to Playboy. I have nothing against them looking at Playboy, but I wouldn't let them look at Hustler. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have to be ordered. I tell them that it will bother me if they do that. And most of my oldest daughter is a little difficult, but my, my kids, they say, no, that would hurt daddy. And I think the censorship should be variated a little ways because why you can't tell someone they can't do it and that's it, boom. Uh, it maybe has to explain that if they do it, it would bother me. It would bother... Yeah, but Jerry, you're talking about them actively doing something. I think the, the, one of the concerns here is the passively doing something. They, they type in whatever. They're looking for information about their favorite story or their, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they, one of the words happens to be a keyword that clicks them over, and suddenly on the screen they're looking at, you know, stuff that, that, that is in Hustler. Okay, then if that be the case, then they, if... My, my, I'm pretty sure my 11 and 8 year old, if that happened to them, they would turn it off real quick. Mm. Uh, I, um, there's, there's always going to be a way of getting something disgusting to somebody, that, whether it be Mon I, I read Moncom and I find it uh, nowhere near as, as uh, horrifying and violent as the Old Testament. The Old Testament won't <laughs> keep you awake at oh, night. Oh, you got a good spooky. point there. You it's certainly spooky do. as hell, yeah. the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, but uh, God telling somebody to kill his own son and mm -hmm. then stopping him in the last minute. Uh, Hitler didn't say that. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is, uh, you know, this is for a person's choices. Yeah, good point. Jerry, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, callers may call in on that last time, and I hope it didn't stir any feathers. <laughs> but uh, I think the parents should teach the kids their own values and hopefully their values are good enough that the kids will pass it on thanks jerry bye. take care bye-bye I, I i i think jerry's absolutely right it'd be wonderful if that happened but a little pie in the sky really isn't it T given today well, given all the pressures on kids if, today if you've read the report that came out as a result of the uh um project guardian uh, situation here in London and the real concerns around how kids can get hooked in to uh, not just the production of child pornography, but into child prostitution and into some very dangerous, you know, uh, situations. One of the things that, that for sure the Children's Aid Society was talking about was how unparented many of these kids were. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the vast majority of them had been uh, clients of the Children's Aid Society. There were real problems for these kids. They didn't have Jerry's kind of relationship with his children. And I think, you know, part of the police concern, and I, I, have, I have some sympathy for it, is having observed and knowing those children, knowing how vulnerable they were and how sucked into this whole area they were. Um, I, I think that's part of where this, this reaction is coming from in ter terms of the police services mm -hmm. board. I think you're right. Uh, I think they had to spend hours and hours watching those yep. things. And uh, it, is, it is very upsetting to people, especially when they know how vulnerable those children were and uh and and how difficult it is as they became adults to make the distinctions between right and wrong uh, we've got an
an email uh, um, transmission here from Ben. He said, I'm happy to see you've decided to address this on your show. I believe it's necessary to filter the Internet in some way at public libraries for a couple of reasons. You've got a couple of good ones here. Um, first, it should not be possible for people to access illegal material from a public library terminal, things like child pornography, pirated music and software, etc. Uh, what would be the legal implications for the library being used as a conduit for illegal activities? And I think that's a very good Absolutely. question. A very good question. Second, why should the taxpayers of the city fund computers for people to use for internet access for, quote, personal pleasure, such as viewing pornography or other more socially acceptable activities, such as viewing video clips? I believe that some method needs to be implemented so that the terminals available in the library should be restricted in some manner um, to legitimate research. With regard to the restrictions of a filter, I think a minim at a minimum, filters should be put in place to restrict the access to illegal material. Although they may not be perfect, some is better than none. Uh, he goes on to talk about that he thinks there's at least one, uh, um, just some restricted stuff available out there that you can do that. Uh, ben, thank you for sending that along. Appreciate that very much. Very articulate. I, I think there's a slight irony in some of his suggestions, too, when he only wants to relate it to the Internet, because issues of copyright have always been a problem in the, in the public libraries. Um, a lot of the books they lend out say right in the front cover, this book shall not be lent out or resold. Um, they lend out uh, music material, uh, videos, everything. But and they do they do pay a licensing fee to do Yes, um, to a point, but uh, it had been an issue for a long time. And then there's material for personal pleasure. Well, a lot of the books in the library are just novels and material for personal all pleasure. All those romance novels. Yeah, that's true. and they're all over the place. So, And some people would regard some of that as porn pornographic. So... Uh, um, what, you only can have research, encyclopedias, and, and that kind of thing? Uh, no, I, I think, you know, if it's children we're worried about, then that's an entirely separate issue from adults. But we have to be sure, and in whatever we do, is that whatever we do to protect the kids, we don't violate the rights of adults. One of the things that uh, many companies are finding is that this is a difficulty with their their machines being used by employees who are yeah. accessing illegal sites and so on. And and many, many employers have the kind of monitoring situation that uh, Robert was talking about at the, at the cafes, mm -hmm. for example, because of the liability issues. If they are seen to be condoning illegal activity, and it is illegal to possess child pornography, um, then, then you do what you can. Yes, a hacker can still get through. Somebody who's very knowledgeable and who's determined to get through will. Um, but, it, but it's not. It's you know it, it, the balance is is very very tight. I mean, much of much of great literature. I mean, think of D. H. Lawrence, mm -hmm. banned from libraries. Mm -hmm. for, Margaret Lawrence, for heaven's sake, mm -hmm. banned up in in Huron County uh, public libraries yeah. for a long time. I would hate to see us go to that extreme and in in the hope that we could protect somebody uh but at the same time the the liability issues around illegal material mm -hmm. um should 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 really put these two groups at the table trying to come up with a compromise at least in terms of of, of very blatant stuff i'm uh I don't know if I've mentioned this before or not, but I'm working on an article about this, not the censorship issue, but again about pornography on the Internet, mm -hmm. um, in response to several calls I've had from parents over the last few months. And one of the things that we've done um, is I've subscribed to uh, one of these, they're like access things, and it, I think it cost me $30 mm -hmm. for a month to do this. And uh, because a lady called and said that her son had used their, their 
credit card had purchased one of these things and that they they did all the stuff all the firewall yep. and all the protective things and so on and that their teenage son had had got the number had called up had signed up it showed up on their on their credit card as uh, um, some innocuous name and they didn't even notice it for several months it was up there for several months so anyway the point I'm trying to make is we subscribed one here at the station for a month to get out there and see what's sure. there and how that's different from from what the kids are readily accessible to and one of the disturbing things to me about it is that um, and again it, we're, we're in a gray area here but we talk there's there's a lot of discussion about erotica versus pornography the idea that the, i think in our society i think has accepted as a society erotica that's what you do if you like that fine pornography is is a little you know that's a little harsher usually conjoins violence with sexual yeah I, you in know, practice though erotica is what i like and pornography okay and i won't argue that with you but I, the the point the point that i would make in it, it i don't know whether it tells us anything about the the market for this but i would say and i haven't spent a lot of time doing this but i spent a, a few hours doing mm -hmm. this working on this article 80 or 90 percent of that stuff out there is and i may use jerry's example playboy versus hustler right 90 mm -hmm. percent of that is hustler it's not playboy it's mm -hmm. it's not it's not mm -hmm. erotica it's not well again i mean i with deference to what bob said because i don't disagree with that but that makes me wonder who the audience is for all of this stuff you know, it's not uh, kind of pleasant, uh, picturesque, uh, you know, I think everybody knows what I'm trying to say. So that makes me wonder, too, if if the kids do get around this or get by this, they're not just getting exposed to Playboy, to the pictures in Playboy. And those of you who aren't familiar with uh, You know, it's funny because whenever I hear people talking about Hustler, the pictures in Hustler have rarely offended me. It's the cartoons and the editorials and the jokes that are the most offensive thing in that magazine. And and it's the way they express their ideas, you know, like which bothers me sometimes because I agree with some of their editorial stances, but they're not being a very good public representative of that mm -hmm. of that point of view. Mm -hmm. And I so I think they do more harm to their cause than good sometimes. Yeah, and I think that the, the real issue, I mean, for those of us who've worked in, 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 in violence against women and children in particular, um, and know how vulnerable people can be to exploitation and how easily uh, someone who feels themselves to be unattractive or unloved or, um, you know, all of those lack of self-esteem mm -hmm. issues that people have and become convinced that this is the way to get attention. There are always people out there who agree that's the way you can get attention and people can, can get into real, real difficulty. Again, I would say the reason law enforcement officers are so tight on this stuff is that, you know, the number of times that there is a connection with, with uh, use of, of, of pornographic images, not just in child murders, but in sexual assaults, uh, in, in wife assault, I, I can tell you, certainly in wife assault, uh, the use of pornography was was very very common among mm -hmm. the clients that I dealt with, um, and that's where the concern comes from. Do people um, become immune to having any empathy for their victim as a result of repeated images of violence? There's there's certainly some research that suggests yes, other research that suggests no. Back in 1982, the London Status of Women Action Group got a grant from uh, the Status of Women to look at porno pornography, print pornography, and video pornography here in the city. And one of the very disturbing things that the committee that was doing that found was that what they found pornographic in the first few weeks of that experiment, mm -hmm. they thought was mild at the end of it. And they found that their judgment shifted t 
very much toward the extreme mm-hmm. end. And uh, the habitual use, the, the, the addictive use of pornography to make people feel good, to give people a high, to, it, it's the same as drugs, um, can lead them to a lack of empathy for other people because they see this repeated um, lack of respect for human sexuality, lack of respect for the human body and, 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 and actual snuff murders enough it, it can indeed affect how they think about real human beings who are walking around them. And that's where law enforcement officers are coming from. We have to pause for just a moment. We'll be back. Lots more to come, and we're looking for your thoughts and comments, as always, at 643-1290. Right in center with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz, and we've been talking about uh, censorship with some reference to the Internet and, and the library and the dilemma the library faces here. And, Bob, you had something you wanted to follow up with. Yeah, Marion was expressing some concern about um, these studies where, wherein women sat and watched who were formerly very opposed to a certain type of censor, censor, uh, pornography, rather, mm-hmm. sat and watched something, and by the end of it, they were, you know, less disturbed by it. I, I don't know that that represents a problem with desensitization or anything like that, as much as maybe they discovered that pornography wasn't as scary as people were telling them it was. Or maybe they were turned on by it, or maybe they found out it wasn't didn't have all the violence in it that, that people constantly refer to. You know, frankly, snuff is an entirely separate issue. I, I know of no... Um, real cases of any snuff movies, although when I visited the censor board back in the early 80s when Mary Brown was there, they forced us to watch a snuff movie, oh, which yeah. was the movie Snuff, and it was just an enactment. It wasn't uh, the real thing, but this was the, the big movie that started the whole mm-hmm. uh, anti-snuff uh, you know, literature that was going out there. And, and the other issue regarding violence and violence in the media contributing to behavior I remember about a decade ago, there was a fellow named Donnerstein who, who did a lot of studies on it, and he kept saying that his studies were being misinterpreted because what he had reviewed was not pornography and hardcore pornography, but basically R-rated violent mo- movies that you can get in, you know, just be 18 and go into any theater, and that's basically on our cable networks now, the mm-hmm. same kind of movies. Yeah. He said that was the stuff that affected people. Uh, I, I he, agree with that, and incidentally, the gentleman who said he didn't object to... Uh, his children watching John Wayne, but but thought it was awful mm-hmm. if they watched this I other stuff. I thought that was a great distinction. Uh, yeah, John uh, Wayne uh, frankly, I mean John John Wayne uh, killing everybody in sight uh, just because he wore a white hat doesn't mean that you know that's okay. So I I agree with. You. But but a lot of violence is not behavior inducing. I, I don't know how to if that's the right way to say it. Well, because, some researchers because, wouldn't agree. Because most stories, you know, if you're talking about just regular media, every every good story involves a conflict that somewhere at the base of it may end up in a fist fight or some mm-hmm. act of violence, okay? And uh, I, you know, I can't think of a Star Trek episode that didn't have a fist fight in it and they got phasers and everything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but isn't there... But, but, but there's a lesson in those and sometimes there's a moral there. I remember when there was this big uproar about the Power Rangers for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a couple episodes, and I thought they were teaching good moral lessons, even though there was, like, a lot of shooting. Yeah, except were, the parents will tell you there are a lot of kids on playgrounds kicking each other. That's well, right. Well, yeah, and they blame the Three Stooges for that kind of thing mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and too. And maybe they were right, too. <laughs> you know, the thing that perplexes me about this issue, though, it, it, it seems to me that it is one of, of personal perspective. And I don't mean in the sense of what you, 
you know, where you're coming from philosophically. I'll give you an example, Pulp Fiction, which is an extremely violent movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, enjoyed I enjoyed that movie because it, there was no question in my mind that this was a movie. This was like you go, to, you go to a theater and there's a play and it's a representation of certain aspects of humanity, good aspects, bad aspects. There, were, there was a kind of a, a certain a certain moral thread through it. It was kind of tenuous at times. I really enjoyed that movie. But at well, the end of the movie, I, w I mean, I wasn't excited by the violence. I, I didn't think it would be okay to go out and shoot yeah. somebody. But, but the fact is, apparently, a lot of people are affected who view that kind of thing. That's right. And I, I, I think we've got to realize that, uh, that it may well be there are other aspects that make people violent but uh, but i do want to say you know those those movies um there there is a call always I, I one of the members of my household teaches film studies and there is always a call uh from some students that they don't want to study mm -hmm. the uh artistic um representation in exotico or, or pulp fiction mm -hmm. or last tango in paris or something uh a, a, a censorship desire within the classroom um, which, you know, I mean, frankly, the answer should be if you don't, you know, this is part of film. Yeah, this is this. You, 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 yeah. Shouldn't, you shouldn't take the class if yeah. you don't want to see this sort of thing. Similarly, I mean, I know when I took English studies, there were people who were highly offended uh, by D.H. Lawrence and, and so on. Well, I mean, frankly, that's part of literature. And you shouldn't, you, you know, mm -hmm. censoring that and not recognizing that that is part of our our, our canon, if you like, mm -hmm. whether we're talking about films or whether we're talking about literature, and, and helping people to deal with why that upsets them, what, what's disturbing them about it. There's nothing in those movies that encourages everybody else to do what those characters do. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know, look, in my case, my wife and I have different tastes in, in movies. I like bang, bang, shoot 'em up movies. I like Bruce Willis movies and all these action, e excitement things, adventure ones. And I've become very thoughtful about why I like them. When I go to see one, I'm very aware because I'm thinking, I know that these are, there's a lot of controversy about how they affect people. And so I pay attention to my own reaction mm -hmm. to them. And, and over the years of having done that, um, what I like about them is there is a sort, there's a sort of physical catharsis. You kind of yeah. go, yeah, go, yeah, go. Yeah. And the like movies, yeah, and the movie's over. You go home, and that's fine. You know, I'm not, wasn't, wasn't, I'm not moved to be violent. I'm not moved to emulate any of that at all. And yet again, we keep hearing that there are some people who are moved that way. I don't know how you ever solve that problem. Well, you don't. You don't. You don't try to solve the problem. The people who are affected by it should 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 know to stay away. And if they're going there for some other reason. Until they create an, a violent act themselves, there's nothing you can do to them. I, I, mean, I do think, though, that we have to remember there were copycat murders after the Chainsaw Massacre movie came mm. out, after that uh, one where the woman was killed with the electric drill mm. and, and so on. There, were, there are copycats that do happen but only, some but, of these but, things, but, only but very small. Yeah, one out of hundreds uh, of I millions. Understand. Yeah. And then we should be disturbed. I mean, some of the, 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 the very violent, very young... Uh, uh, murderers that we've seen, those mm -hmm. children in, in Britain and the child in, in uh, um, uh, Florida, talking directly about what they thought they were doing in terms of just not having any reality set. That goes back, I think, to surely there were signs that a, a caring parent, teacher, society should have known that these kids were taking stuff in and interpreting it in a way classmates weren't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're not having the early intervention to help people to, first of all, be media-wise. I mean, they've taken all the media-wise courses out of the schools because it's not writing, writing, arithmetic. We need them more than ever to help kids be discerning about what they're seeing, 
to to have the an analytical ability to to look at that and to distinguish between reality and 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 fiction and um i i think that there are other ways than censorship to have a a bigger effect i really do okay, we have to pause for a second we'll be right back to wrap up this edition of left right and center Bob Mess and uh, Marianne Boyd with us on this edition of uh, Left, Right, and Center. We've been talking about about well a whole bunch of things, censorship and violence and movie things. And I said a minute or two ago, we we're just talking off the air too about some movies that disturb us. Um, and Marianne, you were saying that uh, oh, Twelve Monkeys. Monkeys just oh, and I, I, if if I'm going to have a bad dream, it's likely to have scenes from Twelve Monkeys. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not sure why that affects me so much. Uh, possibly just the the whole problem of trying to get a real a grasp on reality yeah. when when it's like that um and 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 really you know um such a dark vision of where we're going two of them two of them that, that popped to my mind the ones that really deeply disturbed me one of them i don't even know the name of it it was a british movie about uh, an apocalyptic movie about the end of basically a nuclear war mm -hmm. ends everything and i've i've even blocked the name i was so disturbed by that movie mm -hmm. um watched it on television and and literally didn't sleep that night which mm -hmm. it just it affected me for weeks and the other one was titanic and i think i've shared this with our listeners before the scene in titanic when the boat is gone and all these people are still alive. And for some reason, and I mean, I guess intellectually I can figure out why, but emotionally, I, I, that, I almost walked out of the theater. I couldn't take that. The, th the thought that here, and it's only a movie, I know that. All these people were still alive. The boat was gone, they were all still alive. And by the time the rescuers get there, almost all of them are going to be dead. And for some reason, I mean, I've watched Bruce Willis blow people up and Sylvester Stallone cut them into pieces and so on, and it's just, it's all fun. It's a ride like Bob said. Well, but that wasn't a ride. That was real. That's because you got involved it. with the characters and you really cared about them. And, oh, and, no, no, but I didn't know. Maybe in a deeper sense I didn't know the characters in the boats. I didn't know the characters in the boats. No, but the with their situation, you must have related to it It was a real tragedy. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. But that, I, I, those two movies are the, on, the only two I can think of where I came out of the theater, or in it's the case of watching one television, just... Oh gosh, I well, one of the I really kind of wish I had seen that. Movies I'd ever seen, and I still think it is. And that was a Deer Hunter, when that first came out. <laughs> I, I saw it the it. night before it won the Best Picture. I haven't and seen I it because out of there, and I said that that movie disturbed me a lot. But that's going to win Picture of the no, Year. A friend of mine told me after he'd seen that that, that you don't want to see the movie, and I never have seen it. No, I haven't seen it either. No. And they played it on TV. Yeah, well, I've seen it on television. I've just kind of, because he said, you do not trust me. You don't want to see this movie. It's intense. Yeah. But you know, that's self-censorship. Self mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's the sensible thing. And I, I personally believe that we ought to be encouraging people to examine their responses to this sort of thing and to self-censorship for, for their own health. Um, I, had a, I had a sister who has, has very, had very, very bad dreams as a, as a kid. It was really hard for my parents to help her to understand that there were things that triggered those bad dreams mm -hmm. and that she could avoid them and that she could understand what it was that was triggering that for her yeah. and uh, um, I uh, somehow I think we have to be helping people to be much more conscious of what what is dangerous to their mental health through what they can see or read. You made the point earlier, we just got a minute or two left, you made the point earlier about our education, the taking some of the focus, putting some of the focus back on the three R's, which I think many people think is positive, and I do too, to a point, but we, there are so many things that I think we should be teaching our kids that we're not teaching them in school. And media literacy is certainly one of them. Definitely. 
and and how to how to ass, assess or assay the effect the effects that things have on you and and how to you know the fact that you need to you do need to be aware you do need to be aware that there are some things that maybe are going to give you bad dreams exactly figuratively literally and figuratively yeah. and we don't we don't teach them that mm. along with a whole lot of other things we don't teach them uh, my thanks to both of you always a pleasure thank great you. to be fun. here folks thank you for being part of the program today uh, this has been asked the experts uh, this <laughs> hasn't been asked the experts we're well, the experts in a, well. sense, in a sense it has been. Uh, what I was about to say was, this has been uh, Left, Right, and Center, and coming up a half an hour from now is Ask the Experts with Bud Polhill, our automotive expert. That's at uh, 1230 today, so we hope you'll stay tuned for that. Uh, my thanks to Marion and to, to Bob for making this part of the program. As always, uh, very, very interesting and informative. And thanks to everybody who's been sending your comments in. Please continue to do that. Uh, this runs till the end of August. We're looking for your thoughts and suggestions. What do you like? What do you not like about, uh, about Talk of the Town and Ask the Experts? How can we make them better for you? You can reach us uh, at the regular email address is chapman at cjbk.com, 743 Wellington Road, South N6C4R5. That's NAB6 counterfeiters for replicating fives. You can send it there. There, and uh, you can fax us at 686-9067. So let us know what you like and don't like, and I will tell the two of you that thus far, the clear winner in terms of likes is Left, Right, and Center. Isn't that oh, interesting? Yeah, we get more positive comments about this than anything else we do, so we're very pleased about that. On tomorrow's program, we have uh, Jerry McCartney from the Chamber of Commerce talking about the Chamber's plan to uh, make some more tax savings accessible to us without apparently hurting the funding for the projects and things that we really want. The story about Canadians being denied access to new medical technologies. Why is that? We've got an update from our friends at McLean's Magazine on a number of different issues and Treasures in the Attic with Tiffany and Paul Gardner. So for Marion and Bob and Ryan and Kathleen and the other Ryan, it's Jim saying take care of each other, mind how you go, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.